Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Welcome to the Spin This Podcast, podcast where Sam Dow and Aiden Claire talk about music and everything that spins in the music world. I'm Sam Dow. And I'm Aiden Claire. And we are the spinsters themselves. Uh, the spin, spin boys. What is a spinster anyway? Is that like a, think, a shyster? Is that the same thing? No, I think spinster is more like a, an old lass without... Uh, a husband. Oh, that's sad. I thought so. I I'm not even sure. Is is the term shyster an anti-Semitic term? If it is, we'll cut it. Cool. I don't think it is. But spinster, uh, an unmarried woman, typically an older woman beyond the usual age for marriage. That describes that's us, us exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that that. Well, that's, that's not my life. necessarily, but that is basically our emotional state right now. So, or yeah. that's that's my emotional state right now. Anyway. Yeah. I think that's like, well, I know that we call our, our audience friends of the show. Well, I guess we call friends of the show the friends of the show, but our we, audience we call, should be the spinsters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spinsters. Yeah. <laughs> the, the spinsters. Uh, way, to, way to reify the audience. We just call them uh, uh, widowed housewives. <laughs> yeah. Not widowed. They just never got married. Okay. Yeah. So they're, they're incel housewives. <laughs> basically we have an audience of uh of female incels regardless of if you're a man or if you're already married you've now retroactively become an old woman <laughs> yeah you're also isn't old. married you've basically you've basically um you you've gotten to the point where you ha- you can't even achieve the dream of the incels uh you're already you're fucked basically beamish i know that you're a 26 year old dude but now I'm sorry to tell you, you're an old un- unwed woman <laughs> approaching the end of her life. Yeah, Bert, this is a this is a call out, <laughs> to one, <laughs> a one person call out. Yeah. yeah, that's that's yeah. Shall we get into some news and or commentary? Of, yeah, I would just say quote related- unquote news and or commentary because it's not a lot of news or commentary. It's yeah, it's just news it's just, and or commentary. It's just like basic shit posting going on here. Yeah. Oh, well, I just realized I posted two of the same link twice. Yeah, I, I did see that. Because you said there's the follow-up to the first link, but it's the same the link. The same link, yeah. Well, I mean, um, so... You, we'll you just want to double down on that topic? You want to go for it? Uh, do you want to talk about that one? Because I feel like that's the most meme and then it probably has a lot of hot takes in it, too. Like, that probably has a, a good amount of Aiden hot takes if, you, if you're in the mood for those. Well, I'll, maybe I'll go... First with mine because it's like well, yeah it's kind of news yeah um, you actually you can actually do yours yours is like legit news mine is more of like uh, giving me a chance to uh, shit talk people yeah and, and we do need that in our lives we do need uh, both of those we need a good balance of those yeah yeah so this is an article from the London Free Press the local newspaper but it's online newspaper of London Ontario where I currently live and well you used to live yeah. Um, 
The article is called, Will Ongoing Shutdown Eventually Kill London's Vibrant Live Music Venues? And it basically, long story short, the article is that no musical venues are obviously able to book shows or shows that they've booked way in advance they've had to cancel and they can't really book uh, future shows going on because they don't know when they'll be able to open or when they'll be able to start selling tickets. And they've lost... um, Based on their revenue last year, they were anticipating to have earned a million dollars in revenue just from the shows uh, of the past three months that they've not been able to do. Is that the venue that's looking to that that you're saying was going to earn a million dollars? Yeah, so I think this specific venue is the London Music Hall. Oh, okay. Um, Which I don't think I've ever actually been to a show there, but I'm definitely aware of it, and it's a pretty big. I think he said it was a 2000 seat venue. So like, and they do a fair amount of shows there. I just, I haven't been to any of them. Um, but when, uh, when, you know, these businesses that anticipate large amounts of revenue like this and they have to hundred percent shut down, uh, will that affect, you know, the music scene? Cause uh, you know, it, it's a valid question. I think that the music situation the music community will be affected i don't know when venues like this will be able to operate at their peak levels like they were that like where like they anticipated to hopefully these organizations and companies that run the music venues will still be able to or to be able to have a comeback where they can operate where they've not gone too much into a a deep end where they can't come back from yes yeah this one actually um I don't, I don't want to say necessarily that it hits close to home necessarily, but it's relevant to me in my particular life and my job um, because I work at a security company. That's like my proper job. Uh, and uh, a lot of our clients are, are big events and venues. Uh, for example, in Ottawa, the biggest event, and I've alluded to this in the past, the, the event that drives uh, a lot of the uh, local culture economy is... Uh, blues fest mm-hmm. and uh, blues fest we have jazz fest as well we have uh, city folk um, they've all been canceled uh, and most of them have been canceled much far in advance because you, you can't really anticipate the the range of this pandemic as far as how it will go and when it will end <clears throat> so in this particular case blues fest is our biggest client by far the gist of it is that our security company was originally uh, contracted and actually exists because of Blues Fest. And uh, this year, because it's been canceled, this is one of the reasons that I was laid off from my job for quite a little while. And yeah, so I mean, it, people don't realize just how much these events, uh, you know, they don't kind of exist in a vacuum. They, they hurt actually, or the, the cancellation of these big events actually hurt a lot of local industry. They, they hurt tourism. They hurt, uh, you know, local businesses like restaurants and all that stuff. And they hurt, you know, uh, hotels as well. Uh, and a lot of the times is that the, the, that local infrastructure is kind of designed in order to, you know, accommodate those big events. And when you finally find out that, you know, you're, those events should cancel, you're like, oh, fuck. Well, that's just a, a huge source of revenue that we're, that we're missing out on, right? 
it it kind of blows and I, I just hope like the the gist of it i just, I just want to make sure that people are able to like pay their bills and shit right because for some people this yeah. is like this is their living right playing music live or uh being a concert promoter or uh you know managing a venue these are all careers for some people and their actual livelihood depends on it so i just hope that yeah. for some that whatever way whether it's through the uh, government like cerb or whatever or mm-hmm. even even the uh, emergency wage subsidy that we have here in canada uh that they're able to like actually you know sustain their businesses throughout all this so yeah yeah well in the in the article uh i think it's the it's still about the london music hall specifically but um it says they applied for a forty thousand dollar federal loan uh and the 75 percent wage subsidy for workers so they're still uh, essentially they're still paying people to an extent i guess yeah um at least an amount of their staff where you know getting 75 percent of that covered is great but when you're having no revenue at all that really isn't a sustainable thing when you don't know when the next show that you can book will be yeah um and they even say uh the debt does not just go away our bills don't stop mortgages don't stop so they're still essentially have to keep the costs of keeping the lights on so that they can keep existing as a company um but without any foreseeable revenue sources or you know and because it's like a it's a for-profit business there's not as many not as many options where you can like ask the city to step in and and help with something or ask you know the federal government to step in and be able to do anything it's kind of a a weird a weird status to be in where you don't really know when you know you know you're you're keeping people on your payroll because it's the right thing to do and maybe there is an amount of work they can do when they're not really running any shows i can't imagine what that would be mm-hmm. but that you know they're trying to keep people having their jobs but eventually they're gonna run out of money to be able to do that or they'll get to a point where returning when things are normal isn't is no longer an option yeah yeah and that's the thing is like it's if your job depends on seasonal like revenue right from a yeah. festival or for for whatever then this pandemic is kind of totally fucked you right yeah. i mean i'm kind of lucky for me because i live in a you know despite the fact that uh, residential fees in ottawa are pretty high i i actually was lucky because i i kind of i rent at the low end of the the a housing spectrum as far as housing cost goes so if but if i were paying like whatever the mean cost for like a one bedroom in ottawa would be i'd be totally fucked like even even if i was receiving the serb mm-hmm. um you know but so i'm lucky and then some of these people like um you know they even if they receive CERB or they have some regular income from their job or they're they're doing some kind of like part-time work and like if they if they, uh, you know, have to pay their mortgage or pay their rent, that means you have to like make a whole bunch of sacrifices, right? You have to like yeah. cut costs and everything like that. So that that really fucking blows for them. Like I'm imagining whatever the wage for someone that's heavily involved with running events at, say, the London Music Hall, would have a, a ongoing costs in their life, you know, rent or mortgage or whatever. That them being on the CERB benefit wouldn't cover their costs like there's someone that they're i mean they're lucky that london music hall is still paying employees in that case because mm-hmm. they wouldn't 
be able to survive off just the government serb benefit but then that's really what's going to hurt the venues yeah on a slightly tangential note but a very important thing housing Mm -hmm. is too fucking expensive it doesn't matter where you live it's too fucking expensive and uh the serb i mean it can help somebody like me but for a lot of people it's just not enough so um yeah yeah. On, on a somewhat related additional tangent uh slash personal anecdote last podcast i made some controversial comments uh i i said uh a a, a truth that i stand by but is controversial within my household nonetheless wait what is this uh that manfred mann's version of blinded by the light (laughs) is superior than the bruce springsteen version oh yeah i was thinking about what what could you have said that's controversial (laughs) your your takes are pretty like you know microwave your takes are like uh, you know, a 31 degree uh, heat wave at the maximum. Yeah. You know, you, I, I have not, I've yet to see any Hiroshima <laughs> takes from you. Okay. Yeah. So in my house, that, that was the surface of the sun of a hot take. Really? And, and, how, and how did that go? Uh, like, how did that trans, like, how did people well, take Well, long that? story short, I'm now moving out in September. <laughs> 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 I can no longer stay under this roof. But that, well, the, the truth is that is a, a, a coincidence that I'm moving out. Um, yeah. Well, and my, I think uh, I will I will fairly give my mother credit for that joke of I have to move out now that I've made that hot take. Well, you, you know what they say in uh, in uh, you know policing and that kind of thing. There are there's no such thing as coincidences. So uh, just because you said that yeah. after the fact that you were moving out does not mean that it uh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that I put the deposit down before I made the comments. I know it's like you're going out and you might as well say everything that you've been meaning to say for a little while. So it's like <laughs> yeah, by the yeah. way, everybody, the man for man version is better than the Springsteen song. I don't give yeah. a fuck. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah, no, it's, I, I decided. I uh, I was moving out, and then my mom hears the podcast where I say the Manfred Mann version of Blind by the Light is better, and she just goes, "Good, <laughs> get out of here." <laughs> oh, you're leaving? Good. <laughs> it's like it's like a, it's like two months into your your lease, you're like you're you're calling him, like, "Do you have any extra pillows?" And she looks and around. She's like, "Nope, sorry." <laughs> Do you like? Uh, it's like well, when are, when we, can we get uh, together for dinner? I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, when uh, is Manfred Man <laughs> not as good as Springsteen? <laughs> well, that's entirely up to you and Manfred. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shall we uh, transition to our, our to your hot take? Speaking yeah, of hot yeah, takes? yeah. So I mean, like, uh, this is uh, interesting news. I mean, uh, it's kind of memey. Uh, you know, as I'm sure most people are know now, Kanye West is going to be running for president in 2020 and, uh, 2020. Yeah. This year he's going to be running. He's not, he hasn't, uh, you know, he announced his presidency. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I think November is when the general election in the United States is going to happen. Mm -hmm. So he's still, you know, within the, I think he's going to be running as an independent because I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure Joe Biden is the presumptive democratic nominee. And then also, uh, Trump is kind of running by default. So, uh, I'm assuming he's going to be running as an independent. Um, so here's the thing. 
if you actually think that Kanye West should be president, you're fucking retarded. Um, because, uh, you know, to be a president of a, of a nation, it actually requires some, some knowledge on how to actually run things. It requires knowledge on trade, knowledge on, uh, you know, international relations. It requires knowledge on, uh, the function of the U S military. You are effectively the commander in chief of the U S military. And if, and if you are, uh, if you can imagine, you know, Kanye West becoming the, the commander-in-chief of the U.S. military, and you think that it's a plausible scenario, you're fucked. And uh, it's no wonder why Trump became president. It's because people like you, not you, uh, exist and think that um, the job of the president is to read from a teleprompter. In many cases, it is, which is sad. But at the same time, uh, the president is actually endowed with a huge level of responsibility. And uh, Kanye West um, also... Uh, to pivot, he's also an extremely overrated musician. Uh, he sucks. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> even in, within hip-hop, you know, his stuff goes from just outright trash to kind of decent, right? But the stuff that is kind of decent is only decent in relation to everything else that is currently propagated within pop music, right? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, if you uh, judge Kanye... Uh, in relation to everybody else in the hip-hop scene, then you could probably come away with that thinking that he's one of the best hip-hop artists around right now. You know, while he's competent, he's not, you know, in any way extraordinary. So I've heard him say he's a genius, though. If he had demonstrated that he was right about anything, then maybe I would believe him. But um, regardless of whether or not he's sincere in his music and actually portrays himself as an egoist is totally irrelevant whether or not that is his actual persona and or whether he's portraying himself as a character or not yeah his his character that he portrays is extremely vacuous you know there's no actual like internal struggle other than the struggles of a uh 40 something douchebag right i mean like yeah. if you think that the song runaway is somehow like a deep portrayal of uh you know somebody struggling with their own vanity then mm-hmm. uh no that's well that's retarded Okay, so that's a solar take right there. That is, uh, that's a Nagasaki take right there. Yeah. People are probably going to blacklist me and hate me right now, so. Yeah, uh, well, but... I think that Kanye should remain uh, an allegedly awful hip-hop musician, just like I thought that Trump should have remained a shit reality TV show host. Yeah, yeah. So I have tried to be very, very charitable, most, no, mostly because I've been implored by Kanye fans to try and appreciate his genius. And it's just so like, oh, like it's yeah. so surface level. It's just like, it's like faux deep. Did he do the song, I Ain't Saying She's a Gold Digger? Is that uh, him? I think so. That sounds like something. Oh, uh, yeah, by the way, okay, so I, uh, on, the, on the note of being charitable, there's some clever wordplay within Kanye's music, I, I have to admit. But, I mean, if, you, if you're listening to lyrics for clever wordplay, then uh, you're fucked as well. What else? Uh, his production oh, is his, fine. His what? His production is fine. But, I mean, people act like he's the, that he's the sole executor of his music. He obviously co-produces his music with a whole bunch of other people. And obviously, and in addition to that, people have no fucking idea what producing a record means it they they seem to believe that it actually you know if you're a producer you're also an engineer 
right? And producer uh, is encompassed by that. And not necessarily. Producer just means that you're you're responsible for the final product and you have a a say in how the uh, uh, the arrangements and all that stuff are 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 done. But first of all, Kanye West, uh, you know, to the extent that he is actually a producer, is is you know up in the air. He co-produces all of his work with everybody. I mean, like. Um, Rick Rubin uh, has been associated with his work. I mean, a whole bunch of other producers. And anyway, I mean, I just like. Uh, okay, I think I've said everything that I need to say on Kanye yeah. West. Uh, you, you've said a few things that I wanted to jump into a, a handful of different tangents. Uh, you talked a bit about collaboration in music, mm-hmm. which is something that I wanted to maybe have a short discussion about because I feel like every. You know, I looked at the top 100 list when trying to find one that we hadn't done for Joe Pastor's Smash this week. Uh-huh. A lot of them are by whoever featuring somebody else. It seems like the majority of of uh, pop songs are somehow a collaboration between multiple people. And I feel like at no point did I feel those were necessary or interesting collaborations like last week we talked about uh a Nicki minaj and six nine song yeah i didn't think it was anything special um but it was a a kind of it was still a collaboration it seems like every song especially when it's um something in the rap or hip-hop sort of genre they're featuring another person in it yeah yeah and i I feel like there's not really a special occasion anymore like when i think of collaborations in music like the most famous one i think of is the under pressure uh david bowie and queen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know one of my my album recommendation is a technically a collaboration album that we'll get to later uh but it doesn't feel it, it feels more you know almost more an assumption that it's going to happen rather than a special occasion i don't know i feel like there's nothing special to it anymore yeah i guess you're right about that i mean the there's there's much uh more collaborating now in the current pop landscape. I mean, I don't know if I necessarily say it's a you know a good or bad thing, but uh, I wouldn't say it's bad. I just feel like it doesn't add anything. It's like it's yeah, not like yeah. you're getting the style of two people. You're getting, you know, you're getting one person's song where you just have Nicki Minaj rap for a verse in in that song. And it's like okay, if you're a fan of, and I don't, I feel like I'm being overly uh, negative about it. I just. I don't know. I feel like you're not really getting anything that stands on its own at that point. You're trying to. True. Yeah. Know, yeah. I mean, like reach uh, some sort of audience. Well, I mean, like the last uh, we talked about one when, when we were talking about protest music. I can't remember if that's that's the last episode or the episode before. I think it was the yeah. episode before episode three. Yeah. We talked about protest music. That that one uh, rap song with Denzel Curry, uh, the yeah. Pig Feet one was a collaboration. I thought it was like pretty solid. But but I mean, yeah. like that's only one like. Um, the person that you're featuring can complement whatever you're doing, right? And they can actually add something novel to your, to your song or your to your composition. So, and I feel like yeah. now it's just sort of like, uh, you know, most features are probably just to you know gain some clout. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, like once you reach a certain level, then you can just basically just ask somebody to be on your record, and then I mean, especially if it's somebody like. Uh, Lady Gaga when we talked about the one Lady Gaga and she got uh, Blackpink yeah. to feature on her uh I think it was just one song on a record. I don't think I don't think they featured on the whole record Blackpink. I, I think the other one was Ariana Grande on that same record. 
But if you think about it, it's actually kind of clever as far as marketing goes, because you're collaborating with somebody who has a different audience and a different demographic, right? So you're, you're, yeah, actually, you're actually introducing yourself to a potentially different demographic entirely. I guess my issue with it then is they're doing it for the marketing purpose. They're not doing it because it, it feels like, oh, you know what this song could really use? 6 9 yeah <laughs> yeah said no one ever right but i mean yeah. like uh in the case of uh i mean in the case of uh, like lady gaga and blackpink i thought the song was all right so i mean i'm not sure how many people uh yeah i'm I not sure if the there's Blake a big uh uh that's the one in the, on the record that i actually like i wasn't a fan of the ariana grande feature yeah uh i mean uh, not to say that i will say that the songs of lady gaga uh you know i couldn't tell you if you know what is it bad romance or poker face if either those were any form of collaboration, no, but I, I can't so. even tell you the name of the song that we listened to a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I, I think I remember it was Rain on All me. I remember is Rain Ariana Grande was there because yeah. that was in the title and she was in the video. Yeah, it's a pretty like uh, so far, actually, I've been surprised because I've made like a lot of uh, lukewarm predictions that have actually come true. Like I've made predictions that I haven't been married to and they've come true like all the time. Like the fact that that one Justin Bieber song featuring Ariana Grande uh, is no longer like had maybe uh, a week in the top 10 of the top 100. And then it just sank meteorically after that. So I, I was right about that. Uh, I think I was. I think I also predicted that the Ariana Grande and Lady Gaga collaboration would not last, uh, mm. and I think I was right about that. Uh, I did not predict that the Rockstar single would get up there, uh, but then again, I had no. Uh, then, but then again, I also knew that it, it had been up on the the charts for a little while. I just did not. I, I didn't know. I would have said that it would have not have gotten to top. To, to number one but uh there it is now so i mean mm -hmm. i i guess i was kind of wrong about that but um yeah i mean like i made a musical prediction once i uh, that unfortunately came true i i think i accidentally predicted the death of walter becker from steely dan oh yeah yeah because i i think i i sent you the screenshot where i predicted it because I, I there was a phase when i was just making a bunch of wild predictions mostly based on nothing and it was just kind of like you know bullshit predictions based on current trends like one of the predictions that i still think will happen <laughs> is uh, i i think i predicted that uh uh Zibumafu would get a netflix <clears throat> original reboot or the krat brothers will get a netflix original series wait did they did it no, not yet. Oh. <laughs> I think they will. They have a show somewhere, but it's not on. I thought, I thought you were making the point that that came true. Because that no, would have been uh, so fucking bizarre if you had predicted that. I, I, made a, I made a series of predictions that started with Trump becoming elected. I would uh, elevate you to a, to a, prog uh, to a high-level prognosticator if you had uh, actually gotten that right. And I, I, yeah. I, and I guess you could still be right. Because, I mean, it still could happen, potentially. Well, the prediction uh, in, in this, I made a huge series of predictions. And then I said, uh, and next year, someone from Steely Dan will die. And uh, oh, yeah. and then like a year later is when Walter Becker died. And I remember as soon as that happened, I'm like, oh, fuck. I remember saying that to you and I found it in our conversations and screenshotted it. 
Yeah. Well, I mean that that one that one was actually kind of sad for me because yeah. I because I wished because I had just started to get into Steely Dan and I and I you'll remember this but I actually used to not like Steely Dan and I do uh, and I actually kind of warmed up to their music and then I so because of that I kind of wanted to I I had a list of people that I kind of wanted to see before they died and uh, yeah. among them was uh, Steely Dan uh, whether but I guess I mean. Uh, uh, Donald Fagan still has a whole bunch of solo stuff too. I'm not sure if he still does live shows or not, but uh, he's, yeah, he's uh, before the pandemic, he was definitely on tour or planning to go on tour. Yeah, so I mean that, but still, that's kind of sad though because I would I would have yeah. loved to see Steely Dan perform live because they were well, still. Steely Dan is essentially uh, a lot of studio musicians. It's just more that they were the two songwriters of everything yeah, and yeah. producers of everything. Yeah, so there's actually. even an album, I think it might be the Gaucho album, where the only actual performance by either of Donald Fagan and Walter Becker is Donald Fagan singing the vocals, just because that's part of the style, where everything else was uh, studio musicians, where they just wrote everything and produced the album. Yeah, actually, that's true. Uh, and um, that is and interesting. Even when you, I've seen them, I've seen, sorry to interrupt you, but I've seen Steely Dan twice in concert, and you would expect Walter Becker to be like the lead guitarist, but there's some songs where, like they've had, they have one of their uh, uh, their touring guitarists where he's uh, kicking out the solos and stuff, and Walter Becker is is mostly just the accompaniment there. Yeah, well, actually, I was just about to say that um, I, I uh, one of the reasons why. Uh, I kind of dug into Steely Dan records uh, and kind of looked at the the liner notes and all the like kind of ancillary info around them is because they introduce you to some really cool session musicians like uh, mm-hmm. uh, Danny Diaz I think was the was the solo guitarist on a few of the songs on Asia uh, so and I like uh, uh, I, I think he he performs a solo on Home at Last that I really like so. Uh, yeah, so I mean, like it's cool, because, and then also, um, uh, what you, um, I'm fucking blanking on his name, and and once you once I actually remember the name, and you're you're gonna be Justin Bieber. No, no, he he did <laughs> not feature on a Steely Dan record, but that would have been interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's still time. I think Donald Fagan is keeping the Steely Dan name when he's uh, performing. Yeah. Uh, why the fuck can't I remember this name? It's Michael something. Who's the backup singer? Oh, Michael McDonald. Yeah, Michael McDonald. Yeah, uh, and then also like his his features on those Came albums as well. Back in a long ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the guy. That guy's a crazy falsetto. It's really oh, admirable. Yeah. yeah, he's 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 awesome. He's fucking awesome. And then on that one, it's like your reflection, only you. <laughs> but actually, yeah, he's a like pretty interesting vocalist as well yeah. he's in the doobie brothers right yep yeah uh you i can tell that song i was singing was a doobie brothers song oh i know i know uh and then uh i i actually we were talking about richard cheese i either last podcast or the podcast before but richard cheese does an amazing uh impression of uh michael mcdonald on <laughs> his cover of um don't you wish your girlfriend by the pussycat dolls oh yeah <laughs> where yeah. he co- where he basically does an impression of like uh, let's see. He does uh, Bob Dylan, uh, Michael McDonald, Bjork. Uh, yeah. Fuck, who else? Uh, and, Ju- and George Takai. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he actually does George Takai. Don't you oh. wish your girlfriend was hot like me, <laughs> Captain? No, that's what. That's how he goes. He does it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That's good. George Kai is a pretty easy impression to do for me, at least. Yeah, I can't do it. Shall we proceed? Yeah, let's proceed. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, and then I just want to make a quick note um, yeah, yeah. regarding the Kanye West... Uh, the the follow up that I meant to post, and I guess I uh, didn't copy the link, and I posted and I pasted the original link. Was uh, people wanted Taylor Swift to run against Kanye West, uh, and and it's just kind of like ridiculous, right? They just uh, I, I don't at this point I I think that people should try and take the election a little more seriously. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, if you if you sincerely believe, I mean, if it's a meme, then then cool. I mean, uh, good, great meme, uh, well thought out, ten out of ten. Yeah. But like, if it's if you actually sincerely believe that either Kanye West or conversely Taylor Swift should be president, you're fucked. That's it. That's all I have to say. That's all. I, I mean, that, I'm just. If gonna I had to take it. one positive thing out of this, maybe they'll uh, encourage a, a, a generation of people that may not even be registered to vote to want to vote you know i think the last election yeah I guess had, had a relatively low voter, voter turnout. turnout yeah yeah and even though and he also didn't win the popular vote which means that he probably you know per capita had the least amount of people wanting him to win yeah well <laughs> Yeah, that, Historically, he had the amount of people actually wanted him to win. Yeah, actually, he had the lowest uh, popular vote. In yeah. well, he had the lowest win. Uh, that was also a popular vote. I think it was like two point nine million votes that he lost by, or two point five, or something like that. I think Hillary Clinton had like yeah. sixty five, and he had sixty three, or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, imagine but, all uh, the people that were eligible to vote that didn't vote if yeah. they just voted for Kanye. Yeah, I mean, he would win in a landslide if that was the case. Well, I mean, if all the people that were allowed to vote just didn't, but then they did. Yeah, it's kind of pathetic though that like Kanye can run as an independent and probably garner more votes than somebody who's like an actual great politician. Like somebody like Ralph Nader could run, and I'm not saying I I explicitly endorse Ralph Nader. I mean, he has some policies that I agree with, but some policies that I disagree with. But but he would be a lot better of a commander in chief a fucking head of state than kanye west yeah yeah anyway but i mean like um anyway it's probably a meme i mean but yeah like, holy hopefully. fuck i mean like uh, i don't really want to be like doing this podcast in november and have and be like sweating from the fact that kanye west is actually you know gaining traction in the polls and shit like that so i'm not going to make any predictions but holy fuck there's st- some stupid shit going on on the on the music related plus side maybe he'll do like a trump diss track yeah no no and then, and then no, we'll have no, something no, no, to no. talk about he 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 uh he was for trump for a little while and he made some like but if he's running against him he's gonna do a diss track yeah well uh yeah yeah anyways uh kanye what are you doing <laughs> kanye I was trying to do Bill Clinton, but I can't do the Arkansas accent right now. Kanye, what are you doing? <laughs> I could do the timbre, but I can't do the fucking Arkansas accent. He just so- sounds like a, a a guy from New York who smokes too much. What are you doing on this fucking bus, Kanye? <laughs> Get off okay. my fucking lawn. <laughs> All right. Uh, so our our fan favorite segment. Well, I don't know. Fan favorite. A segment Featuring the joke that I will never let die. Joe Pass or <laughs> yeah, Joe Smash. You really won't. 
I, I, I will die with this joke. I will die on this hill. Yeah. Joe Pass or Joe Smash. All right. Now we can begin. Uh, So uh, you posted the first single. So let's discuss your single first. Okay. Um, I don't even remember. If I, I, for some reason, I thought that we talked about this one before, but I guess we didn't. I think I maybe listened to it during my initial uh, Hot 100 listen for our episode one. Yeah. Because this isn't like a brand new song. Because uh, I scrolled through the Hot 100 list that I was able to find online. And this one was, it was a fair way down. Because yeah. I think we talked about most of the, uh, the bigger ones that were above that. I didn't see anything new or at least nothing stood out to me as something that we didn't talk about already so this song is called what's poppin by jack harlow i've got the lyrics pulled up because i think this is one where i would uh i would like uh an impromptu duel for the throne of trap king again between me and jack harlow do it do it up um first i want to talk a bit about the song uh it, I'll say right now, I'll, I'll eliminate all suspense. It's a Joe Pass. Um, so the, there's a sample in the song that repeats, uh, you know, 99% of the time. I think maybe at the end it sort of does a slow down thing, and that's where it, it varies a bit. The sample, I don't know. I, I looked to see if I could find where it's from. For all I know, maybe it's an original just little piano diddle that they wrote. But every time I hear it, 100% of the time, I think of uh I think it's from Phantom Menace, the the uh or one of the Star Wars movies where it goes Yeah, Duel of the Fates. Yeah. It sounds like uh it, it's like and then it's a, a you know, a bit of a drum going and then it does it's each bar starts with and then a couple of beats. So it and I don't think it's from a version of that song, but that's what it sounds like when I hear it. So either they sampled something that is very reminiscent of, or maybe that, you know, John Williams, when he wrote that song, had heard before. Uh, or they just made up a little piano line that, for some reason, really reminds me of Duel of the Fates. Um, and then the lyrics are just generic rap. Uh, you know, I'm going to dive into my segment of, of the trap game itself. Go for it. Uh, I need my vassal to lay me down a beat in post-production. Will do. Hometown hero, feeling myself, can't murder my ego. Can't do it. She heard of my deep stroke. She said, babe, does it hurt when I deep throat? It does. Certified freak ho, hang around us and she learning my lingo. Back then, wasn't worried about me though. In the gym, trying to work on my three free throw. God damn. Spending money at the club like Sam's. Cha-ching. Yes, ma'am. She's a little freak on cam. That's facts. But you don't put this on the gram. Nah. Hey. Little boys trying to diss on the gram. A. I can't switch on the fam, bitch. Shit's hot. Hit the switch on the fan. Hit that shit. Thank you. Thank Does you. that conclude your recitation? Or yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> oh, because it's a I, long verse. That so, was halfway through the verse that I started. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I now I'm kind of remembering the lyrical content, and it also kind of wanted to it reminded me of all the shit that I want to say about the song. So, yeah. but you, you go ahead. It's st- you're still. Uh, yeah. So yeah. my main issue was with that sample and the fact that there are nothing lyrics. They're, they're yeah. they sound. I read the comments on the on uh, the YouTube version of the song, and uh, I think one of the comments was something like, uh, "It's like he read." the wikipedia of what to put in a rap song and (laughs) that sums it up perfectly yeah Yeah, so it it was just enough uh i I specifically read that part because i like the line uh she said babe does it hurt when i deep throat and then in practice it says it does (laughs) yeah yeah and then he also says something uh spending money at the club like sam's which i assume is a sam's club reference yeah yeah Uh, i think so and uh you know do people I'm, have I'm still the only Sam's, Sam's in this in this track in this beat, uh, but I didn't like it. To Joe Pass, <laughs> I'm the only Sam's here, and I and I didn't like it. Yeah, but, I, uh, I'm not a fan of, uh, you know, a, a verse that simultaneously name drops me, the true king of of the trap game, where I then have to defend my throne. Uh, he can't just name drop me like that and not expect me to respond. I mean, he should know this. Uh, he's been in this game. You know, as long as I have, for all I know. Yeah, clout chasing by name dropping true kings yeah. <laughs> is not is not cool. Uh, and he, yeah. he throws a Sam Club a Sam's Club reference in the same verse as uh, talking about hurting a girl with a deep throat. No, no, his her deep throat hurts him. I think. Oh, oh, well, that's. She, I think she said, <laughs> "Does the deep throat hurt you?" And he's like, "Yeah, it does." Well, how does the deep? Throat Whose side hurt are you, you on, Aiden? <laughs> but how does the deep throat hurt you, though? I mean, unless there's like it's too teethy, right? That that can kind of. <laughs> and that's why it's a Joe Pass for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've said all I need to say. That's it. Yeah. Okay. The so, lyrics speak for itself. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about this one. It's a it's a Joe Pass for me. Spoilers, but uh, yeah, you know, it's so the, the problem I have with this song is that it tries to mix. Um, you know conflict with other people and also braggadocia so you're you're bragging about the admiration that people have for you but also like you know trying to portray yourself as a you know a badass and somebody who's confrontational with other people um and also i mean it's gratuitous like that i mean he has like a whole bunch of hose at his disposal he has a veritable harem of hose you know oh wow that's interesting i've never heard that before um so uh, yeah, it's it basically that that comment uh, sums up how I feel about it. Um, it's, I mean, this is a problem I have with with clever wordplay. Is that if you put your time and effort into constructing uh, clever wordplay, and in this case, it's not even that particularly clever, um, then there's like a very kind of momentary sense of oh, that's clever, and then you move on. Sometimes in comedy, being clever is not necessarily funny i'm not saying that this is necessarily comedy but it's mm-hmm. definitely um not been to be portrayed in a uh a dramatic or sincere way but uh, anyway it's just like a, a an odd and uh poorly constructed mix of braggadocia and you know badassery and it's like I don't know, yeah I mean, it's trying to uh pander to ever group simultaneously so yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's Joe Pass for me. It's like there's not really anything musically interesting about it either. He doesn't sing. There's not a there's not a sense of uh, melody or harmony or anything like that 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 goes into it. So yeah, yeah. More like what's pooping? Am I right? Oh, yeah. I thought of that. Oh, you did think of that. For the record, yeah, everybody will know that I thought of that. 
for the actual record, nope. in our Google Doc, I changed what's popping into what's pooping, and then I saw Aiden scam scrolling around on the the doc so i just added a bunch of o's and made it what's pooping yeah so you're actually editing the document i'm just like drawing rectangles in the in using the blue highlight feature so yeah. but uh anyway did you have a chance to listen to the other song that i posted no i didn't uh i didn't see the updates to the doc before we were okay recorded. i i didn't have a i don't i don't have a whole lot to say about it so i'm just gonna like kind of give it this this song is on the uh top 100 right now i think it's at number eight it's called Roses by St. Jin. Mm-hmm. It's St. John, Roses? but it's J-H-N. The song is called Roses, I believe. Uh, this one is uh, a little bit better than what we just talked about. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a sense of uh, you know melody and kind of even harmony to some extent. Uh, the sample is pretty lackluster. It just kind of repeats throughout the entire song. But uh, the vocalist, who I assume goes by the moniker St. John, seems to be competent i'm not sure to what degree there is a um auto-tune applied to this at least if it's an auto-tune it's not a, a transparent or not a transparent but it, there's not an overuse of auto-tune it might have been melodined a little bit in order to get the pitches correct but uh, uh i appreciate that there was some attempt to emote even if it's in a uh kind of limited range and you know capacity but yeah so I, this song is actually more of a almost more of a uh r&b than a hip-hop song because there's actually all the rapping that is done is done very kind of melodically uh so i don't know i would say it's more of like a neo r&b than a hip-hop song but it's the the problem is there's not a lot of uh structural variation in this song in order for me to actually say oh that's interesting it's basically just one sample that repeats mm-hmm. and then they just rap and or sing over that sample which is really uncreative and i find that's what a lot of people you know that's that's their approach is that we just put down a sample uh we use that as the rhythmic and harmonic basis for their entire song and then we rap or and or sing around that single sample and uh that sucks that blows right yeah uh and uh i whenever i hear it i think like oh um this is the only time i will ever listen to the song because there's nothing that the song offers other than um, all of the uh, surface level repetitious boredom that the song has to impart. So that in this case, uh, I, I might listen to it again uh, just to try and pick up on the lyrics a little more. Uh, I feel like sometimes I have to do what you do and I have to actually read the lyrics because I, um, when I listen to a piece of music, uh, any piece of music, um, the content of the lyrics are not really what I listen to. Uh, yeah. I try to listen to more so the the uh, the melody, uh, how the vocals kind of carry the melody, uh, as opposed to the um, the lyrical content and the thematic structure of the song. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's pretty much all I have to say about that. It's it's okay. It's still a Joe Pass for me, but it's slightly mm-hmm. less of an emphatic Joe Pass than the previous uh, schlock yeah. that we listened. It to, just so. Joe passed out of your mind. Yeah, Joe Pass. Yeah. Shall we proceed to? Uh, the now, so our, usually we'll go into album recommendations. Yeah. I have made the executive decision to drive another joke into the ground. We're now calling the album recommendation section Get Wrecked. Yeah. Wrecked, well, R-E-C-C apostrophe D. But it, it works. It works. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will nonetheless meme, drive that nonetheless. joke into the ground. Yeah, but, but it's, so it's a meme also. I mean, like, to, to yeah. wreck something or to, and also to get wrecked. So there's a sense yeah. of, like, cohesion to it. It actually 
yeah. it makes sense, right? And it, it, yeah, it does make sense because I'm you're getting wrecked by me, yeah, and I'm getting wrecked by you because I, I think of this segment as us recommending to each other more so than <laughs> I just recommending to the audience. We should call it "Get Wrecked, Nerd." <laughs> <laughs> that's so I, much I better i will allow your executive decision to override my executive should we decision. do it oh should we actually yeah i, I like that get wrecked nerd get All right wrecked, nerd. okay that's that's it you're the nerd and i'm also the nerd get wrecked nerd yeah! all right so uh you, I? you wreck yours first because I'm still trying to like compile my thoughts together for my yeah. wreck. I briefly alluded to this earlier when I talked about collaborations because this one, this album that I'm recommending is a collaboration. So the album is called The Board of Directors. It's a Count Basie album featuring the Mills Brothers. So this album is from, uh, it was released in 1968. I actually heard this album a couple years ago because I, uh, I, I was having like a weekend visit with my uncle. And I went to a, a record selling place. It wasn't like a, like a little market that had a record section. <laughs> and I bought this album because I, I know of Count Basie mainly from our days in um, the, the school concert band where we did a couple pieces, maybe a medley of Count Basie pieces. And uh, I recognized Count Basie and I knew of him as a, a big band orchestra leader kind of person. Yeah. Uh, and I bought this album because it was three dollars, and it was the best three dollars I have spent on a single album. I would say, sick. The best album that three dollars can buy. But that is a a ringing endorsement. I'm not saying it's a a bad album by saying that. I've gotten a lot of good shit for three dollars. I I bought a, a Leonard Bernstein conducting uh, Gershwin for for like two dollars. It was mono, which kind of sucked, but like I got Crime of the Century by Supertramp for five dollars. Oh, that's that's or, or breakfast yeah. in America for five dollars. Oh, yeah. I think I got both yeah. them for five dollars. But I used to say that breakfast in America by Supertramp was the best five dollars I've ever spent, and this was the best three dollars I've ever spent. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that that's a good record to get for five dollars. Breakfast in America because that's sort of like yeah. their their seminal album right there. Yeah. So th- this one, it's pretty much you know as expected, where it's a bunch of Count Basie songs, or I think some, I think a lot of them are either Count Basie songs or um, more, you know, jazz standards or maybe uh, songs that the Mills Brothers are more associated with. I think there's like 10 or 11 songs on there. April in Paris is probably the more famous Count Basie song, or at least the song I associate most with Count Basie. Uh, And they do a version of that at the end of the album, which I really love. But Count Basie, of of that era of big band and swing music... Count Basie is definitely one of my more favorites, um, having listened to to uh, him and his orchestra in the past couple of years a lot more. Yeah. And the Mills Brothers, I've listened to some of their stuff aside from this since hearing this album, and I like I like the the sound they're going for, but I think them being backed with Basie and his orchestra really brings it to a much more satisfying sound compared to some of their other stuff. They do have good. Uh, other songs so on this album april in paris is is probably the definitive version of april in paris for me a lot of the ones i was familiar with before this were the more instrumental ones but obviously they have the vocals in this one as well wait sorry who are the mills brothers again it's a i think it's a uh, a trio of jazz singers oh vocalists okay yeah i just want to make sure 
yeah sorry for not clarifying that i think no, that's fine i think there's i think there may be four of them actually and uh yeah so a few standout tracks from this obviously april in paris uh, up a lazy river uh i really like the song i dig rock and roll music which i think is not an original of them but it's a very good one wait do you know when when did this record come out 1968 oh wow yeah wow holy shit so that actually came from around the the latter age of uh when jazz was kind of yeah. most prominent yeah ja- I, I always picture like most jazz records to be kind of clustered around the early 60s to late 50s unless unless it's yeah. like the big band area which came before that and then obviously i, I think this is that. probably more towards the end of of that era for these these two music these two groups rather oh so it's uh, one of those records that i mean it was like it was an actual like tape recording it probably wasn't like recorded to phonograph because i i, uh, I yeah, thought maybe. this was like one of those like older older no no this but... it, it doesn't sound like it's it sounds like it's a, a good quality recording it doesn't sound like it's you know oh, a sick. 1950s recorded thing and it sounds awesome that's awesome yeah i'll, I'll definitely um, give that a go yeah and, and and count Basie has a couple other albums that are th- this one's called the board of directors he has a few other ones that are sort of similarly themed in title where he has he has one that's called chairman of the board and another one's called the board of directors annual report which I think actually also has the Mills Brothers on that one. It might be like more of a... Uh, as I'm digging through Wikipedia, I'm learning that they had a second album together uh, that came out, I guess, also in 1968, where it's, you know, more songs with that, uh, the collaboration of the two. So in this recommending section, I have found a recommendation for myself as well, that I will nice. listen to that other album. Because I really... I listen to that... I've listened to that album quite frequently, the Board of Directors album uh, on Spotify. So it's called the Board of Directors. Is it? Yep. So is it Count Basie and the Mills Brothers? Is that who it's by? Yes. Okay. I think right. it's a Count Basie album featuring the Mills oh, Brothers, okay. but I think it's, I think it's equally both of their albums. <laughs> I just figure like in brackets, in, the, in those square brackets, feet the Mills Brothers. Yeah. Brothers. <laughs> well, I think that uh, because Count Basie had his Chairman of the Board album before that, I think this was sort of. Uh, thematically following up to that one and then he had another one following up to that so I fig- I so- more associate it with Count Basie because of that mm-hmm. um, but it's a very excellent album it's probably my favorite of Count Basie albums that I've heard and favorite of Mills Brothers albums that I've heard I've barely listened to any Count Basie I've listened to an amount of it um, some of it's earlier stuff where it's probably is recorded to phonograph. So it's a little more crackly, I guess, for lack of a better term. It's, it sounds a little more, it sounds older when you're listening to it. Yeah. Uh, this one yeah. has, it sounds like a very crisp recording. It sounds very good. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know that, uh, jazz musicians before multi-track existed, uh, they used to record straight to a phonograph. They actually used to etch the record. Uh, yeah. and, uh, that, that was before they, uh, they started to use magnetic tape in order to record um, multiple tracks to a single tape, yeah. which they started doing in the 50s, I want to say. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. early 50s. Uh, but I, I don't know about that necessarily. But yeah, uh, So this came out in a good era of recording technologies. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, got, it's got the best of everything in there. That's also why um, a lot of those earlier recordings are recorded on mono, uh, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, stereo recording was something that kind of emerged. Obviously, multi-track is stereo recording. But, uh, you know, if you're recording something just to a single record, then obviously you're going to... It's a mono recording because you don't have a, a stereo field. So, 
Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm gonna def- definitely gonna check that out. That sounds interesting. Yeah. All right, uh, you're you're good if I do. Do you mind? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I I wanted to recommend um, a album by singer songwriter Scott Walker. Uh, I I think um, uh, Scott Walker has a, the, probably the most interesting career in uh of like singer songwriters that i know of he's probably amongst my favorite of the kind of later baroque pop era singers uh like kind of emerging out of the same ilk as uh the beach boys and other similar musicians the scott walker uh started his career with the walker brothers uh and they were kind of like the you know proverbial teen idol uh, singers. He went on to produce, uh, well, not to produce, but to um, to create uh, several self-titled albums, just uh, you know, of his own making, uh, including ones that were just named after himself. Uh, Scott's one through four. Uh, in this case, I'm recommending Scott three. Uh, it's personally my favorite of his earlier shit. Um, Scott four is also an excellent record, though. Um, he is a singer-songwriter. Um, a lot of people have attributed his voice to being uh, an operatic voice, although it's not necessarily true. Um, he has a very strong vibrato, but he doesn't sing with a, a low larynx like this. Uh, he, he's a baritone, but he sings in that kind of very pop, kind of contemporary type voice. Um, you can kind of see a, a change in his vocal style between his uh, uh, his mid-era, which is this particular album scott three and his uh later music his later music is probably like some of my favorite stuff that to exist um unfortunately he passed away so he is the late scott walker but um Ah. he went on to produce a few albums called uh one was the drift one of them is tilt and then another is bish bosh and those three albums uh bish bosh i mean less so uh, but uh, The Drift and Tilt are some of my favorite singer-songwriters albums ever because to contextualize uh, Scott Walker's life, he used to be this teen idol singer-songwriter very much of its time, and he developed into this very interesting uh, avant-garde uh, composer and arranger and who would uh, sing and perform his own uh, work and spoken word on his own records. And uh, his last few albums probably won't appear... To uh, appeal to a lot of people they are very bizarre and challenging uh i think scott three will appeal to more people it's very melodic very beautiful uh most of the uh, album uh is backed by these very kind of dense string arrangements kind of reminiscent of uh uh the beach boys but almost more so like whereas uh uh brian wilson was trying to uh incorporate different sounds and different instruments into his arrangements i feel like scott scott was mostly going for uh basically singer songwriter backed with uh you know orchestra type deal yeah and uh i really love his voice um it doesn't get into that kind of classical style very much uh he's uh he's very conversational in his tone in that he doesn't vary very much in his uh, uh dynamic range he doesn't like belt notes it's very similar to uh, a Sinatra almost in that he kind of like also stays very much within his range. Uh, there are times where he does go a little higher, but you can tell that he does. He doesn't like, uh, uh, you know, just belt those notes and try to go for like, a, uh, you know, a big kind of climactic moment. And that's not to say that he's completely flat in dynamics for the, throughout his entire 
uh, throughout, the, throughout the entire album. Like he mm-hmm. he doesn't get like louder and softer, but he doesn't feel the need to like go oh, like in and like belt notes. Anyway, most of the songs in this album are are like I said, backed with uh, you know orchestra. There's one song where he actually almost goes for more of like a, a bluesier field. I think it's called Thirty Century Man. Uh, it's yeah, kind of I was going to say um, I I Google or I Wikipedia'd this album mm-hmm. uh, and saw that 30th 30 century man is on there yeah and i know that song because the cover of it was in the first futurama uh, movie <laughs> yeah 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 and uh, i I've, i have i have that version of it on my my itunes oh the futurama version or the, yeah oh okay i think yeah. the band that does it is called like jigsaw or something like that yeah yeah uh, and I, I i really like that song because uh, there's a line in it where he's like shaking hands with Charles de Gaulle. Yeah, yeah. And that they they wrote in the uh, the reanimated head of Charles de Gaulle into the movie of Futurama because they knew they were going to use that song in it. So this entire like subplot involving Charles de Gaulle, 100% because they were going to use the song. Yeah, a lot of these songs are. Um... Were, are, were not actually originally penned by Scott Walker. In fact, I think there's at least three or four songs in here that were written by uh, Jacques Brel, who is a yeah. French uh, singer-songwriter. And uh, no, I, I think it comes off very well. Like he, he very much like, he doesn't just cover the song. He kind of like definitely recontextualizes it. And if you listen to like his version versus the original version, there's like mm. noticeable stylistic differences. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, like, also, uh, not just if you want to list this album, but like Scott, Scott three, Scott four, like actually all of his solo albums are like solid, like Scott three and four are, are like really good. And then I don't know if you're, if you feel like listening to something way, like something like totally wacky, then listen to, uh, uh, tilt or the drift because they're fucked mm-hmm. in the, in a good way. They're fucked in a good way. Yeah. I'll definitely uh, start with Scott three. Yeah. Mainly because of the Futurama connection, I've already. I feel like I've gotten in there. It's fantastic. Scott Three is fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for me. Alrighty. Shall we continue to the SoundCloud shoutouts? Yeah. You go ahead. So the the uh, track that I'm going to shout out this time. So the 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 artist is called Glennie G's One Man Band. Uh, nice. I like. And that. the song is called Feeling So Blue. Uh. So this is one where I didn't really prepare for the segment at all, but I, I scrolled through my uh, my liked playlist or my you know my liked tracks on SoundCloud and I found this one. I assume by the title of it being uh, Glennie G's One Man Band that he's the guy that's performing everything. It's a very bluesy track. It's like a blues rock kind of jam that he has, and he's also singing on the track. It reminds me a bit of. I guess like Eric Clapton and musicians like that, where it's a more bluesy sound of rock. Um, it's definitely got good production to it. And the fact that this guy is presumably the guy that's writing and creating all these things, it sounds really cool. Um, the song, as I said, is Feeling So Blue. I don't have too much to say about it. But yeah, if you like that kind of 60s, 70s, bluesy classic rock kind of stuff, definitely more of the bluesy side than the rock side, but... Uh, if you're into that kind of style, this guy, uh, at least this one is that style. I haven't checked out too much of this stuff. I think a lot of it is kind of singer songwritery and blues type stuff, but specifically this song, I, I would, I would, I definitely just smash it, but I'll also shout it out for SoundCloud shout outs. That's, that's cool. 
I, I don't really fuck with blues, but I'll check it out. Like, I'm always looking to be proven wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. So uh, the one that I wanted to recommend was a guy named... He goes by Flawed Mangoes. I think he used to be called Flamingo. Uh, and so it, it's, it's kind of like a portmanteau type deal. Um, he has done... Like, he's, he's an actual, like, hip-hop producer now. Or I, I guess you could say instrumental hip-hop producer. Um, m- maybe more so you could say it's an electronic stuff because it's not meant to be, like, a, explicitly a hip-hop instrumental. But it does kind of use that uh, kind of plotting beat i guess you could say um i stumbled across his music uh via a piece called nature versus nurture which i downloaded a long time ago uh via well uh, the artist union where it's it's that's a service where you can actually like link your stuff on soundcloud and then uh the artist union uh lets you like buy or sell your stuff Hmm. um I'm not sure how many people still use the artist union, but it's, uh, I, I put a few of my tracks up in there, but anyway, um, the track is called, yeah, like I said, nature versus nurture. Um, what I like so much about it is that it, um, it blends several sections that are different into a single, uh, cohesive track. It's about seven minutes long. It starts with a kind of, um, uh, arpeggiated, uh, sequence that blends like a, uh, like a, like a, a guitar arpeggio with a, like a Rhodes keyboard type arpeggio. Hmm. And it, it, it kind of like, uh, you know, drifts sort of like a, a Philip glass type composition, which fades into like a more of a droney type track. And then, uh, you get like, a more of a hip hop style, uh, instrumental going on. Um, and what I like about it is that, uh, I uh, just love how seamlessly you drift from one section to another, how you transition perfectly. Um, and also, I like the the warmth and the kind of lo-fi aspect of the track. Uh, there's a lot of like either uh, room tone or self noise in this track, which kind of gives it a very kind of warm personal feel, which I like. Um, I've listened to some of his other tracks. Uh, he's clearly gotten better at uh, producing his own work. Um, a lot of his stuff is a lot cleaner now, and it's very interesting. There's a lot of interesting compositional choices. But um, personally, still like uh, Nature versus Nurture is a, is a favorite track of mine because like I downloaded it ages and ages and ages ago, and I actually listen to it. I, I wouldn't say regularly, but I always go back to it, and it always has this kind of feel where it um, you know it, it feel like, feels like it could be used in a film almost. It has a cinematic kind of accent, aspect to it, hmm. um, which kind of makes it a good piece to listen to while you're just kind of going out for a walk and enjoying the you know, any kind of surroundings. So yeah, that's what I like about it. Um, I think you've actually sent me that track before. Like I I remember you maybe actually sent me like an MP3 of it rather than just the link to it. Cause I I definitely have a track that at one point I thought that you had made called nature versus nurture until I realized that you were sending me someone else's music. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had an MP3 of it and I, and I actually, um, it wasn't properly like there was no metadata on it, so I completely mm. forgot who had created it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, and then you illegally distributed that file to me. Yeah, true. I uh, I will see you in court. I fucked with copyright law right there. Yeah, I'm a maverick. Yeah, like that movie, like that uh, Top Gun. Shrek two, <laughs> like Shrek two. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a maverick like that movie. Shrek the third. 
Yeah, that movie where they with the the military airplanes. What is it? Oh yeah, Shrek Two. <laughs> I, I I had uh, th- this is more of a self serving SoundCloud shout out slash personal anecdote slash news. Oh boy, here we go. Um, no, but the, my collaboration <laughs> with our collective boy Brucey. Oh yeah, yeah. I. Uh, uh, the the plight of bare essentials, or as bare essentials as he for some reason abbreviated it to, mm-hmm. uh, it it hit eleven hundred plays on SoundCloud. Nice. Uh, for reference, uh, a track of mine that I would consider it having done well, like if I got a hundred plays or hundred and ten plays on a track, that'd be I'd be like, uh, I'd be thrilled with that. That would have been considered uh, a, a chart topping success within my catalog. Uh, and this has 10 times that amount. So that's kind of an unbelievable, uh, I mean, he probably has 10 times the followers that I do more so. Yeah. Well, that's Uh, also like on the topic of, uh, collaborations and introducing your music to different demographics. Right. I mean, like I, uh, uh, I went through the comments on that video and a lot of them are, are praising your musicianship. So in, in, in a, in a a roundabout way, you've introduced your music to a whole, uh, different group of people, a different cohort that, that would have otherwise ever discovered your music. So I will say the slight bitterness of this, of, of, so he uploaded the track and it was getting a lot of good comments. Uh, A lot of them were even specifically calling out how great the music was. Uh, specifically, they complimented the bass line a lot. And I yeah. really like that because I was really proud of that bass line. And it's been a while since I've had any compliments on my bass playing. And that, was, that's, that was my first instrument I ever learned. Uh, and I was really proud of how the bass turned out because I struggle with the actual recording of bass just from my own production limitations. Um, and uh, so when Brucey makes this collaboration and he adds his stuff he puts it up i'm getting nice compliments and then he uploaded he he changed the original file to a different version if you recall that i thought was a more controversial version which is the version that's up there unfortunately yeah wait is that the one where you added the flugelhorn or whatever yep he added that little trumpety thing which i didn't like he took out a little piano thing that he had added which i did like um but he also added some more um bass stuff towards the outro which uh it and i will i'll admit that it sounds cool i like i like the you know the addition to it um but that at when he had done that it kind of turned into it felt less like it was a collaboration and more like he's now making it a brucey track rather than a brucey and sam track okay and because so many compliments were specifically to me uh, about the bass, it felt like he had retroactively uh, taken fifty percent of those compliments. Wait, so uh, is this the one called the plight of bare essentials? And then in parentheses, Conover slash Samdow. It was posted. Yeah, it's one just called bare ago? essentials Conover slash Samdow. And originally he put Sandow, like with an N instead of an M. Oh shit! Uh, and I can see Shots in the fired. URL it still says Sandow. Oh no! Yeah. So that uh, that's just inconsiderate. <laughs> and the, the description it says music by at Sam Dow, vocals, lyrics, Bach trumpet, percussion, production, mix and master by Conover. Like he gave himself oh, yeah. like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven credits 
Uh, yeah, after- you could have just said music by Conover and Sam Dow. Just keep things simple. Yeah. It, it felt like he, he definitely wanted... It, and he made all the changes after so many of the compliments went... To, I mean, he got a lot of compliments on his lyrics, but he... Uh, I don't know. It just felt like a retroactive him taking credit for my stuff. And I don't mean that, like, it was anything maliciously done. It just... It's my perception of... He he changed it to a point where it's like, I didn't like the changes he had done, and it kind of retroactively made me feel like uh, it was no longer a Sam Dow and Brucey collaboration. It was more a remix of something I had once yeah. done that he turned into a Brucey track. Yeah, it's almost like you had provided the stem for a Bruce Conover track. But like, yeah. um, but I still, I, I mean, I don't think I got many, you know, fa- new follows from it, but it's cool that... Uh, a random one-off track that I wrote that I didn't really think twice about now has 1,100 plays on it and is arguably a much better song from it. Bach trumpet. Is that a yeah. type of trumpet? I didn't even know that existed. I but mean, anyway, I, I assume it's a MIDI instrument that he used, but who knows? Yeah, so... Uh, like, I, I don't know. If um, So I would say, if, if you're going to say music by this person, then I would say music by Sam Dow and Conover... There's, I mean, like, well, uh, I my, my, I'm going the other way. But... If he's writing all of his, uh, his credits, you put, you know, uh, bass, uh, guitar, that weird synth sound that I did, I, uh, composition, all this shit. I give me all the credits if he's getting all the credits, because now it just yeah. seems it sounds like his. It's more of a focus on his contributions. Yeah. No. What I'm saying is, if you're going to divide it into music and lyrics, then say. Music by Sam Dow and Bruce Conover, lyrics by Conover. Because then that's like a fair assessment of who's writing what. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or he could have put the, the version that we both had approved of and yeah. that. But yeah, because it's like, it is kind of, uh, I mean, I so I like his contribution. I thought it was pr- it was pretty like cool. I thought I thought the way he uh, he rearranged the the... Um, the actual structure of the composition was interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know if I if the one that I listened to was the most recent version. But I remember when he added the trumpet. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that he, he he added like a piano or something like that. There was a I piano in the remember. version before that. It was a slight piano line uh, where the trumpet now is. Yeah. Uh, and the so, piano it, it was it was a little more soft and melodic, a little more subtle. And the trumpet just sounds like a bad MIDI instrument. It might be a real trumpet for all I know, uh, but I just felt it didn't really fit with the composition that well. Yeah. And I thought the version that he had before was better because of not having that trumpet in there. Can you hit me up with the version that you prefer? Because I think that I think yeah, that's a I private a track. It. It's a private track, isn't it? Because like no, no, I, he he uh, he changed the file of the original. So it used to be the version that's up there now. It used to be that, but he can change the file because he has the pro account. Oh, okay. Without taking down the posting. So I, I think I have the only copy of that original file or original version. Okay. Yeah. Hit me up with that because uh, yeah. I mean, I remember all of them being like pretty solid as far as like production yeah. goes. I mean, but and, and my main issue is that this updated version came out like the the original had been up there for like a week and then he changed it to his other version yeah yeah i think that in general when you're collaborating with somebody you should probably try to keep open lines of communication because you're you are using their 
art in in some yeah capacity it, like you know he, he had sent me he's like oh i made this new version and i didn't respond right away because i'm like okay i wonder what the point of this version is is he you know doing a bonus remix for some ep that he's working on yeah uh, and then by the time i was ready to respond saying i wasn't a huge fan of the trumpet he'd already changed the original upload to be that new version and i'm yeah. like okay so i guess I'm not really part of this at this point. Oh, okay. Uh, so no, I see what you're saying. He actually replaced the audio track yes. on that on that link. Okay. So yeah, it had all the comments where it said, "Oh, great bass from Sam Dow," and then he changed. He he did a switcheroo, as they say in the biz. He did an old switcheroo with a, a version that has some of his bass, so he gets to retroactively claim the compliments of those comments. He did a do whoop. Remember that. Yes. Yeah, you remember that? <laughs> not not exactly a fond memory of that. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah I mean, uh, I will, I'll it's it's kind of like a little... admit it's partly my uh, pettiness, my Tom pettiness. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I still like total it's, Tom about it. Yeah, you should probably like consult somebody, especially if you're gonna upload that to the world. You know? <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you should consult somebody like a consult therapist. A <laughs> You know, you got these these issues as a, a yeah, petty you're a narcissist. Not yeah. you. Not you. You yeah. should consult someone. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, like, I don't know. I I as far as like, so, I should say that I don't really have skin in the game. But like, yeah. uh, I I dig the composition. I thought that the the trumpet, like you said, was a little was a little weird. Like, yeah. um, I I thought it's just like some traditional instrumentation. Uh, as far as like a small ensemble would go would go better like just like having a like an acoustic guitar or something like that or even yeah, a piano yeah. like you previously mentioned right and if when he added more instruments because it's it was you know music by sam dow vocals and lyrics by brucey if he had asked me he's like oh i think we could use a little something here do you mind coming up with something that would yeah. be a totally different it would have felt like a collaboration but it just it be, it became a brucey project yeah he i just remember used my work I remember uh, you had sent me something and I tried to add something to it and it was an odd choice. Like it was yeah. a sax or something like that. I can't remember what this particular one was, but Wait, I added You're talking something. about a different track though. Yeah, no, no. This is not Plight of Bear Essentials. Yeah, this th is that was the, uh, the hero track. What did I add? Was it piano? Was it piano? I think it was, uh, it was, it might've been like a synth or something. I don't know. It was like Maybe. a solo that was going over the outro of it yeah and like i i just remember it like thinking that the you know the composition itself was all right but thinking that the actual choice of instrumentation yeah. was just kind of like eh. because uh the thing about plate of bare essentials is that at least in terms of the production as as you had originally recorded it it was mm -hmm. very kind of everything was very kind of close you know what i'm saying yeah like the the mix was very uh it wasn't it, it very like broad a small, and, little, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, like a room recording, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. when he added everything to it, I feel as though it almost became a little more spacey, especially with his, uh, oopsie, especially, I just started playing a Bruce Conover song by accident. Yeah. <laughs> and it won't be in the recording. Don't, I'm not, I'm not uh, going to get into any copyright shit. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's pretty much all I have to say. I mean, like like I said, yeah. I don't really have any skin in the game, but uh, I just think that but it's I'm right. like, cool. To, <laughs> yeah, I just think it's cool to like consult people about what you're doing with their track. Yeah, you know. But nonetheless, 
Uh, it gives me self-esteem when people when that number goes up on that Brucey track because my name is in the title. Yeah, and uh, your but contributions also, are. Listen to the noted. original version on my page called yeah. "Play to Bare Essentials." I always liked your version. I I love his lyrics and delivery of the lyrics. Yeah, and the fact that he made plight of bare essentials part of the lyrics like he took the title and made a song based on that idea yeah yeah because uh, the it was from my never continued album after that one track of quarantunes which was quarantine themed songs that i made during the quarantine uh and then he he made it a song about quarantine he stuck to the the theme of it so i, I give him props for that yeah and uh, the lyrics are good like they uh um, yeah. and he uh, he has a cool clever and like uh, his voice is almost like a, a you know, like a Bowie esque. Yeah, uh, it has that kind of like. He sounds like lilt, old Bowie. Lilt, you know what I'm saying? He has that yeah. kind of uh, uh, that lilt. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know what you would yeah. call it. It's uh, just a uh, figuration or. Yeah, but uh, anyway, we're maybe that'll be on... the outro for this one. A snippet uh, of Barrison. Yeah, yeah, we could use that. And speaking of which, we're actually coming up on an hour and a half, though, so we should probably yeah. wrap it up. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Spin This Podcast, a podcast where Sam Down and Nate and Claire talk about the music industry and all the things that are spinning in the music world. And I've been Sam Dow. And I'm Ian Claire, vassal of the trap game. And you, you have been spinning with us, and you will spin again next time. Oh, yeah!